Hi, it's Sarah and Beth from Pantsuit Politics. And we are begging you to ACAST your vote in the upcoming election on November 3rd. If you aren't sure if you've registered, check out vote.org where you can get your voter status and details on how to make sure your voice is heard on election day. And if you're looking to brush up on the issues on your way to the polls, there are lots of shows that you can check out to make sure that you're informed, including No Lie with Brian Tyler Cohen. That's a great way to stay informed and make sure you're thinking through everything as you head to the polls. So make sure that you are registered. Make sure you know when and how to vote. Make sure that you know what you want to say when you make your voice heard and get out there and ACAST your vote. Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Welcome to the Fulhamish podcast. My name is Sammy James. We are your weekly independent audio Fulham FC guide. And this is Fulhamish Extra, an Easter preview as Fulham face Norwich City and Leeds United over the Easter weekend, looking to bolster our playoff chances and our slim chances of picking up that second automatic promotion spot. And I am joined on today's Fulhamish Extra by Mr. Don Betts. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. It's been an international break. I haven't seen too much international football, but you, my friend, have been throwing bikes in canals and catching England play Holland in Amsterdam. That must have been a nice trip. It was a great trip, actually. Uh, there was obviously the whole news about 100 fans being arrested. I didn't see one person get arrested. The police I saw were just sort of overlooking what was going on. And I don't, I don't think I even saw someone throw a bike in a canal. But maybe because I had too much drink, I might have remembered it if I did, but you never know. And you also caught some lower league Dutch football? I did, I went to the Dutch fifth tier on the Saturday. That was probably more fun than the England game, actually. The, the England game sort of was like a two-hour inconvenience in a nice holiday. Well, the, we, England played quite well, but it was a bit of a boring affair. The, like, with friendlies, the first half's always all right, but then the second half becomes a bit tedious when every team's making, like several changes every five seconds yeah it does uh, go a long way to kind of kill the vibe anyway club football is back and uh, long may it be the case Fulham have a very important seven or eight weeks as we try and will clinch the playoff spaces and maybe try and catch Cardiff in second place although it's going to be very very difficult we're on the road on Good Friday uh, away to Norwich the trains are an absolute nightmare but there's still just over 2,000 Fulham fans heading up to Carrow Road my first trip up to Norwich and it's not going to be as easy as maybe the league table might suggest Norwich are in 13th they've not had a great season to be honest struggling to score goals but they're always difficult opponents because they do have some quality in their side well yeah I mean apart from the 6-0 when we relegated them I can't remember a time when it, we battered them completely last season there was, was also the 5-0 there's also the 5-0 okay but like last <laughs> season was like last season was the game was just What's going on? Yeah, like I remember, be, I remember being there. It's like, what is happening? Because obviously, saw Chris Martin got sent off. I was like, okay, let's go ahead and win this game now. And but that game was like one of the pivotal games of why we got playoffs last season. Definitely. And like last season, it pretty much was sold out. I was quite surprised, and fans were like, wait, why is it sold out? I'm pretty sure the same issues arose last season. Yeah. It's on the exact same match day. The trains were messed up last year. They messed up again this year. It's they're not. It's not that. It's just because you can't get a direct train there. Yeah. You have to change either Ely or Cambridge, and it also just takes longer than usual. But no, it should be good. Over 2,000 fans up in, uh, in East Anglia. And we'll be looking to right some wrongs from that QPR game. Now, we still got this amazing unbeaten run, six undefeated, and it's still a club record. But the QPR game was 
troubling in lots of aspects, especially in the second half where we were struggling really to string two or three passes together. So I feel like the Fulham team will be quite keen to demonstrate that what happened in the second half against Rangers was just a one-off. Oh yeah, they'll definitely want to go out and prove that. And I think what I saw of Norwich obviously in the first game of the season when we played them at home... They're not that same sort of side as QPR. They want to play, want to play football. So I can't see them do it playing the same way QPR did in the second half. And I think it's going to be a very interesting game to see how both teams approach it. Because I don't know what Norwich. I think they'd be cautious and then try get us on a break, or they are going to try and actually attack us from the first minute. Because I think we should attack them from the first minute. Because I think that will put them on the back foot straight away, and they might not be able to come back from that. No, and we do have a very good record against Norwich. They seem to have this thing about Fulham being their bogey side. And actually, when you look at the head-to-head, uh, only one win for Norwich in pretty much the last 20 years. Yeah, I think that, that was on the last day of the season, on our first season in the Championship. I think we lost like 4-2. Yeah, and they went on to win the playoffs after that in that final against Middlesbrough, didn't yeah. they? Um, yeah, that, and obviously that game to Fulham fans literally meant, and Fulham team pretty much meant nothing. Like we, it didn't, it didn't affect us in the slightest. Loads of fans having a great day. That ended up being a very, very long day because it was the, um, I think it was the Pacquiao Mayweather fight that evening, or more like the next morning at like five, six in the morning. So like, and, and obviously this kickoff is like midday. So Fulham fans, I think I was on like the half a train out of um, Liverpool Street. Then then didn't get back to my uni house until about like eight or nine a.m. the following day. Fulham seem to be in full fitness going into this one. We don't appear to have picked up any knocks in the international break, as far as I'm aware, recording this on Wednesday evening. So things could change, I guess, uh, tomorrow when Slavisa presumably will do his press conference uh, ahead of Norwich. We've only had a few players, though, going away on international duty. One of those uh, was Ryan Sess who played against Ukraine in the European Championship qualifying last night. And he was very impressive. Didn't get on the score sheet, but he was very, very impressive. And for his under-21 debut, I mean, it's just showing this kid is special. Well, yeah, if you look at the players on the team, who are primarily pretty much starting players or squad players. And that's Dominic Solanke and Dominic Avaloon, especially who scored the first two goals. You've got James Madison, who's been amazing in the championship this season. And they'll be facing each other on Friday. Exactly. So I think it's great. He's like, people forget, he's not even 18 yet. No. And he's playing for the under-21s. That, and that, and people like, he might make the national squad. I was like, no, that's just clearly a joke. He's not gonna, <laughs> he's not gonna be on the plane. I can't see, one, I can't, I can't see in the system that Gareth Southgate plays where he fits in. And also he just, I think if he just, he just needs to stay grounded like he has with the club and just play for the under-21s for, for the next couple of years. Then you never know he's going to go from there. Do you expect Slav to pretty much stick with the same side that started uh, against QPR? I guess pretty much the only question that is to be answered with the lineup these days is: Well, will Callas come back into the side? And that kind of depends well, we did on his score fit. In, in, in the international break. Well, that would suggest that maybe he's back to some level of full. But then he's, always, he's been all the way over in China for the entire of the, of the international break. Yes, he has. For the it? China Cup, the uh, biggest international tournament going. Yeah, and well, Wales got to the final and still couldn't win. And then also right wing is the position where it seems to change game by game we did an interesting poll over the uh, international the break the answer was wrong by the way I'm just going to point that out there well the majority of Fulham fans believe that Floyd Aite should be starting at right wing uh, and George Singer put up a very good article on the Fulhamish website about uh, the stats behind who should be starting at right wing definitely well worth reading uh, fulhamish.co.uk do you think they're pretty much the only two options where we're likely to see changes in personnel for yeah, staff unless players have picked up knocks in the international break or in training I can't I, fair, most of the players might have actually gone on holiday so 
but I can't see any changes. Um, if I was, if, I mean, I want. I'd, if if Florido starts arriving, that's great. But that means Nisa Cabano needs to be in the squad. Like if I, if Aite starts, Ojo doesn't need to be in the squad. I'd agree with that because Ojo only works, and he doesn't really work. But it only works if he starts. Him and Aite can't be impact players. It doesn't work like that. And I don't know where Nisa Cabano disappeared to. He went off on international duty with DR Congo. That looked mad. Yeah, his Snapchat and Instagram stories when he's on his Astro break are just the best thing ever. He just looks like everyone's just having an absolute mad time. But yeah, I would, obviously, I for me, I voted for Nisquins Cabano because I think he offers stuff the others don't. I think Aite tries too much. I think Ojo's pretty much useless. Uh, I just Ojo offers this dynamism which not many of our wingers do. Like you got Piers on as well, who's more more of a technical player, so he's trying to carve a defense open. He's a good option to have. Like off the bench, same with Cabano, but I th- for me, Cabano has to start just because of pure dynamism. It's a bit different to Cess on the other side, so Cess is also going to be in the right position, but Cabano can stretch that defence, which I think the other players can't. Yes, all the wingers are quite pacey, but I think, yeah, Cabano just offers something else, and I don't really know where he sort of disappeared to in the last month or two. Um, the majority of players have had a two week international break, there's been a, a few exceptions, but actually, it's quite a hectic little bunch of games now because we play Friday against Norwich Tuesday evening against Leeds United then it's Saturday up to Hillsborough and then on the following Tuesday we host Reading at home so that's four games in quite a short space of time is Slav going to have to do a little bit of rotation maybe to keep the, the, the squad fresh you know maybe in one of those games Christie makes an appearance instead of Fredericks play, rotations uh, yeah like I can that. see that happening I would argue like to see Norwood come in for a game or two I don't know why he sort of dropped out the side I guess with that midfield three being so pivotal like it's hard to I know your Henson's finally starting playing well it's took him bloody long enough but <laughs> I think not, I can't. I wouldn't be surprised if Nord came in for one of the games. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised if you see the wingers rotate quite a lot. You, I can't. I, I wouldn't play Sess in every single game. I think he does need a rest because although yes, he's young, he always wants to play. You don't. You don't want a situation where he's burnt out if we when we need him in the playoffs. Well, exactly, and it could get to a situation, and we discussed this on the last podcast where if Cardiff do just continue to win games, and we kind of maybe have to accept that Cardiff are gonna be the shoe ins for second place it will and and assuming we've picked up enough points that playoffs are now secure and I think we only need maybe six seven more points from all of our remaining games really to be in the playoffs it will maybe change the mindset of okay this isn't such a must win game let's rotate the squad let's use the squad so that when we go into the playoffs we're fully fit well you don't want a situation like last season where it was complete burnout for pretty much every single player Um, but yeah I can't I I would rest Sess in at least one of the games you can say bring Christie for Ryan Fredericks. You obviously got Norwood. We got so many wingers at our disposal with Ojo, with Aite, with Cabano, with Piers on. Um, yeah, I don't see a reason not to. And there's even options up top if if Mitrovic. Is. I mean, if we if we bring in the likes of Cabano, Aite, Ojo, Norwood, and they can't like put in a solid win against bloody Reading. To stay there at the moment. I know they've got a new manager, but they they won like one game out of their last like twenty or whatever it is. Uh, and then following Norwich, uh, we'll briefly touch upon it. Um, Leeds United on Tuesday night. Uh, it's on Sky, of course, because Leeds Sky Sports Leeds are uh, are down in town uh, to broadcast it to the whole of Yorkshire. I mean, again, it feels like it's going to be a big atmosphere. Leeds will take lots of fans, of course. But it's not quite the same as last year's Fulham Leeds game. No, where Leeds were flying high because Leeds, I believe, in the form table from February the first, are in the bottom three. Really? Yeah. So they've done worse since they sat Thomas Christensen. 
Then, but that was him. He seemed like a mad decision at the time because yeah, I thought he was getting like, somewhere. I know Heckling Bottom's a good manager, but like I didn't see the need to sack Christensen. Like they're not good enough to be in the playoffs. No, they they were just they had a really good start to the season, and after first like ten games maybe if that they just were slowly dropping off, but they were just hanging in hanging in there. I think, yeah, just it should be a comfortable win, but you never know of Leeds. You never know what Leeds size is going to turn up. Obviously, and since 2018 has gone, the rubbish Leeds size has turned up, so we hope that continues. It, of these four games are pretty much a replica of our opening four games of the season, and, and Fulham only got three points out of the possible 12 for, against these next four opponents. So it was a draw against Norwich on the opening day. Oliveira got a late equaliser. We got a late equaliser against Reading, which was just obviously limbs. Um, we got beaten by Sheffield Wednesday, which actually, when you look back at that now, is an utterly terrible result to get beaten at Craven Cottage by Wednesday, considering how poor they've been since. It's probably one of Wednesday's best wins of the season, you'd, probably, you'd yeah. argue. Um, but also Leeds, we drew 0-0. So, the uh, double pivot of Scott Modell and Ibrahim Masise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Fulham do need to maybe perform a lot better than we did in those opening four games but times have changed a lot since then we looked at that opening run of four games as a really hard start to the season exactly we looked at our first like well not even first four first like five or six games and we were like okay as long as we're like in mid-table by the Mm. end of it we'll be fine and we were it was actually the sort of period after that Mm. when, when we probably just weren't performing games but I think it's a totally different kettle of fish I don't believe in looking back at a reverse fixture because I don't believe there's much correlation between the two of them because both teams are playing in a totally different way or under a different manager or they're fighting for different things at the beginning of the season no one knows what they're doing in that year's I guess when it's you know opening day to April and like if it's maybe a December to January there's things you can yeah, look at in the previous game but yeah, yeah but out of all of these fixtures there's nothing I can really look at I mean Norwich are one of, we're one of the favourites for promotion Mm. or at least the playoffs anyway yeah. and we looked at their performance against us and we thought okay they could be a good challenge like Chris Wilchart was brilliant in that game and, but yeah I think we need to I don't see us losing any of these games if we did lose one it's, uh, the only one I can see us losing is Norwich like in my opinion the game we'll lose on beating run to is Millwall well yeah I mean that's um, now been changed to a Friday night and they're flying high and I've got better form than us exactly if you the form since I think January February they're kind of a first they're second so what more can you say really Neil Harris has done an unbelievable job there because this season would have been stay up consolidate position in the championship and then hopefully next season move to a path finish a bit like what Brentford what they've done is a bit like what Brentford did when they first came up and because they, obviously they got top six in their first season in the championship and well, that wasn't Brentford's aim but Mill, they've been doing it their own way if you know what I mean it's just been a very Millwall way about it all right, well, let's get an opposition fan's view on things. I spoke to Jack Reeves from the uh, Talk Norwich City YouTube channel. Very good channel if you uh, uh, know any uh, Norwich fans that may be interested. Actually, as a non-Norwich fan, I actually still quite enjoy being subscribed to that channel. He's very, very talented uh, putting out match day experiences and he's going to go far uh, in the football journalism world, I'm sure. I started off by asking Jack, despite Norwich's poor form recently whether he thinks they could be a roadblock uh, in Fulham's race for the playoffs and promotion this season it's interesting for Norwich because I think we're currently 13th in the table so if you look at it from a neutral's point of view there's very little to play for but um, we've got kind of a new regime at Norwich City Daniel Farker and a whole German philosophy we've got Stuart Webber uh, in the sporting director role who took Huddersfield to great things last season so 
it's been a very much a transitional season for Norwich City and I think for the fans' point of view, we need to see something a little bit special in the close just to convince us fully that this is going to be the way forwards because we've gone from a very traditional route, the Chris Hewtons of the world, the Paul Lamberts of the world, and now we're going in this very continental style that some Norwich fans don't like. Norfolk people are very well known for not liking change. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a big thing for Norwich fans this season. As you say, at times we've looked very good. Um, defensively, we've been solid, and that's been the big big issue for us in previous seasons we've had a lot of clean sheets and that's been really good for us however going forwards I think we're the third lowest scorers in the league only Burton and Sunderland have scored less than us and I think maybe Birmingham as well maybe fourth lowest not too bad um, so our home form has actually been what's let us down this season away from home we've been very good at, at, at kind of hitting teams on the counter and nicking goals you saw at Craven Cottage earlier in the season we managed to get that late goal and it was pretty much the end of Nelson's season before it even started <laughs> after that strange celebration um, but yeah it's going to be an interesting game I'm looking forward to it um, it's sad that it's on Good Friday so your transport links are even worse than normal to Norwich because they're not great at the best of times but um, yeah it's going to be an interesting one and uh, I must admit it's going to be hard to predict now, what are the key players for Norwich? The obvious one is James Madison. I would say he's up there with the top dozen players in this league and clearly the Premier League awaits him. And it's been a phenomenal rise from Coventry to Norwich via Aberdeen and potentially one day big things await. But you've got some other quality players and many of them brought in by Daniel Farker from his links in Germany. Yeah, and yeah, James Madison's the obvious one, and that journey's a stranger as a Coventry to Aberdeen to Norwich. Um, he's been the standout, and I think we're both we're very lucky as Norwich and Fulham fans respectively to have two of the best young players in the league in Sessegnon and Madison. At times you look at Madison and you're just kind of lapping it up and knowing we're not going to have this for too much longer, so just enjoy it while you can. He's a very special player, and I think he scored about half of our goals this season. Elsewhere, Angus Gunning goal, of course, son of Brian, um, who's been phenomenal this season. He's destined for great things as well. I think I think we won't have him next season. He's on loan from Man City. Um, I fully expect him to go to a Premier League club next season, whether that be Man City, I'm not so sure, but I think he'll be up there next season. Other players, um, Tom Tribal at the moment, a, a, a hustling midfielder, but he's unfortunately injured at the moment. Um, Grant Hanley is, is kind of the standout. We've been looking for a traditional centre-back for so long, someone who'll you know, elbow people, headbutt them if need be, just to get the ball away, and he's done that brilliantly. He's slowly but surely become a cult hero at Norwich, Grant Hanley. So, yeah, he brings us a bit of solidity at the back. What kind of style of football does Daniel Farker employ? I mean, as a continental manager, you'd imagine he's quite into playing attractive passing football. I haven't seen too many Norwich games this season. Is that how you approach the games? Passing football is how I describe it. Attractive, maybe not so much. I think I think that's what we expected. This free-flowing kind of Klopp style of play. What we've actually seen is very heavily possession-based football with little conviction in the final third. Um, I mean, there's been times this season where we've had 85% possession and still lost the game. That shows how you know how toothless we've been in front of goal. But I think it's slowly coming. Um, we're looking to tr try and hold the ball a bit more. It's just that kind of final third that we've really struggled with. So expect us to have a lot of the ball. Whether we do much with it is another question. And this Norwich-Fulham thing, it's, I think it is a thing <laughs> where we just seem to be your bogey side. And I think it's one win in the past 10, 15 years, which I believe was uh, final game of the season a couple of years ago when you guys were headed into the playoffs and we came and lost 4-2. So generally, Fulham get a lot of joy against Norwich. What do you think the reason is 
behind it is? Do you think it's just a chain of coincidences? Yeah. It's not even just the results, it's sometimes the manner mm. of the defeats. And obviously the 6-0 when you went down is the one that stands out in the memory. But there's been a lot of significant games between Fulham and Norwich and Fulham seem to always come out on top. I'm touching wood that it continues this season and I probably jinxed it and people are probably swearing at me right now uh, for the kind of curse that I'm putting on us. But how, how is it from a Norwich point of view? It's horrible. I think the last time we won at Craven Cottage was 1982. So a lot of Norwich fans weren't even born. I can remember when we came um, to Craven Cottage, the first day of the Premier League season, it was Chris Shooton's first game in charge. He beat us 5-0. I think Roddy Ager scored a hat-trick that day. Um, it was about 32 degrees. They'd run out of bottles water. The air condition on the coach had broken. I think everyone, although was dying from the football they were watching, were also dying from dehydration. So that was a particular low point. Um, but it, it's strange, isn't it? Fulham always seems to turn up against Norwich, and there's something, of, there's something kind of mentally, a mental block with Norwich against Fulham, which, which is strange. Um, it, it, it would be very apt of Norwich to turn up when we don't really need it and you guys need it this season. The charge you've been on has been remarkable, and, and, um, and watching you guys sort of on, on the highlight shows and stuff, I am slightly worried because you look very good going forwards, and you've got that cutting edge and that, that mentality that I think it takes to, to really push on. So. Look, I, I'm gripping onto that 4-2 a few years back. I think we were kind of already in the playoffs and you were out of it, so there wasn't much on the line. Similar mentality probably for us this season, not much to play for, slightly different for you guys. Let's hope for a repeat of that. And what's been behind the problems at Carrow Road? Because generally, I mean, Fulham luckily seem to buck the trend, but it's it's a fortress, I always think. It's always a, you never look at a trip to Carrow Road and go, oh, that's an easy three points. Norwich, it's always a great atmosphere there. It's always a full stadium. So it seems quite surprising that you've, just had such kind of dour results. You're not necessarily getting beat every week, but so many nil-nils. And I know you've said about your problems up front, but what is the problem? Normally you'd think, well, at least if we can't score many goals, the home crowd will get us through. But I mean, you were minutes away from even losing to Ipswich the other week. Yeah, I mean, dow I think dow was the right word, probably the best word to describe it. What you can't question is, is Norwich City's loyalty and the fans' loyalty. We're very unique in in Norwich because we're the only sort of professional club in the county. Our closest club is Ipswich who are 45 miles away. So it's a unique situation. And the only reason we get full stadiums is because there's nowhere else to go. So, you know, there's nothing else to do on a Saturday. So that's the reason. Um, fans take, and it's probably very similar with you guys, when there's change, fans take a little while to, to get used to that change. And if they're not convinced within the first four games, as football fans, we're very impatient and we want things to happen quickly. And unfortunately, that's not the way football works. And that's very hard to, to get used to. We pay exceptionally high season ticket prices. Um, I think highest in the championship, and one of the highest if we were in the Premier League. Um, it's about 600 quid for an adult. So fans have high expectations. Um, and that hasn't been delivered on this season. And as well as that, we've got Delia Smith and Michael Wynne-Jones who are in charge, who have been fantastic over the years but they're drying up with money. There's little investment. We've, we've, we've wasted our Premier League money away and now we're having to pay small wages and small transfer fees. When you've got the mixture of high season tickets and not much money going into the club, that creates a, a little bit of divide between the fans and the club. Um, I, think, I think we'll be okay. But if too many more nil-nils come along, you know, things might get tasty. And once we eventually get to Norwich on Friday, where are the best places to go? Where are the best places to drink? What would you suggest as a bit of a match day ritual for uh, Fulham fans travelling up there? It's my first time, uh, not to Norwich. I once went to uh, visit a mate at the uni there, but and got snowed in randomly in like October. Um, but what would you suggest to an away fan 
travelling to Carrow Road on yeah. Friday. I'm obviously biased, but I think I think Norwich is one of the nicest cities in the UK. I think as an away fan, it's beautiful. Hopefully the sun is shining. You've got some beautiful pubs along the river. I don't actually think there's an allocated away pub anymore because Ipswich always used to come and trash them, so none of the landlords let away fans in anymore. But the home fans are always friendly. You're not going to get in any you know, um, scraps or anything. So there's some beautiful pubs. Um, make the most of it. Come nice and early. Try and get a train down. Let's hope Greater Anglia don't let us down here, which they so often do. Um, yeah, but just enjoy the day, and uh, hopefully the sun is shining on Friday. Good stuff. Jack, thank you for being on Fulhamish. Thanks very much, mate. Cheers. She said, do you love me? I tell her only partly. I only love Tim Ream and Matt Target. I'm sorry. Hi, I'm Rachel Thomas, CEO of LeanIn.org and host of Tilted, a Lean In podcast, urging you to A-cast your vote in the upcoming election on November 3rd. Not sure you're registered? Check out vote.org for your voter status and details on how to make sure your voice is heard on election day. And if you're looking to brush up on the issues, you should give Vote the podcast a listen. Andrea Haley and Kat Calvin, executive directors of vote.org, and Spread the Vote answer all your voting questions, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. Well, thank you to Jack Reeve from Talk Norwich City for telling us all about Norwich ahead of this Good Friday's match up at Carrow Road. Very much looking forward to that one. Never been to Carrow Road before and hopefully the Whites can continue their good form of late up there. Good to hear from Jack as well. He's a very, very knowledgeable guy. He knows all things about Norwich, but he's also just a generally really, really nice lad. Uh, and the YouTube channel he runs, Talk Norwich City, is genuinely exceptional. Now, most fan YouTube channels, as you probably know, are a little bit cringe. Arsenal fan TVs of the world and uh, West Ham fan TVs uh, of the world, if you haven't caught that one. But Jax is actually exceptional. He does a lot of it with his brother Chris, and I really enjoy it. Even as a non-Norwich fan, it's really enjoyable. So go search for it. Talk Norwich City on YouTube. It's well worth a subscribe. Uh, I met Jack, Dom, in one of these kind of overly posh Southwest London coffee shops. It was kind of the only place we could really meet. The kind of place that serves tea in a glass and not a mug. But anyway, we move from our next feature from a posh coffee shop to a very much a traditional London pub. Uh, we met Chris Mackey, who's uh, from the States. He's a Fulham season ticket holder in the Mad Hatter uh, down in Southwark. It's a Fuller's establishment. And if you're ever in the area, it's a very, very good pub and well worth checking out. Now, Chris, you may not have heard of him. Uh, but he's going places. He is a Fulham season ticket holder. He's only recently moved over here, uh, but he's been a Fulham fan for a long time. And he works on many successful YouTube channels. And if you're into YouTube, things like the F2 and Spencer FC and also hashtag United. So he's a very, very talented guy. And he's also quite famous for his Instagram stories. And this is how we heard about Chris really um, he does brilliant brilliant Instagram stories and he did this one uh, of the Fulham Ipswich game back in January and it was actually unbelievable and he does them for most Fulham games he goes to and I think he's going to do a, a few Instagram story takeovers for Fulhamish he's really really talented and, and he's uh, also now become the face of the official Premier League USA channel for Instagram so you know he's, he's moving up the world and uh, it was nice to catch up with Chris and we really wanted to find out from him uh, what his experience has been like as a Fulham fan from America. Obviously, there's loads of you who listen to this podcast 
podcast over in the States. I'd say it's maybe a fifth to a quarter of our audience. So we thought you guys in particular would enjoy this next feature. So Jack and I caught up with Chris in the pub to find out about his experiences. Hello and welcome to a little interview with the boys from the Fulhamish podcast and the one and only Chris Mackey, who's here with us. Chris works across social media for a host of people, the F2 freestylers, who many of you will know, um, and across a load of stuff with the Premier League too. But he's also a little-known Fulham fan, and uh, you might have seen his Instagram story when we posted it last uh, earlier in this season, um, which we put up on our channel, and it was an exceptionally good story. Sorry, David Preston. So, Chris, thank you for having, uh, thank you for coming on with us. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. And we're just going to talk to you a bit about about this season, about Fulham in general, and, and kind of what we can we can get out of it. So, let's start with kind of what what brought you to Fulham in the first place. What's what, what was the draw? That's a great question. I think, well, obviously, if you can't tell by my accent, I'm an American. I'm now living in London, but um, didn't always live in London. Uh, I've been kind of drawn to Fulham for a while. I, I didn't up until, you know, actually living here in this this past year. Um, didn't follow that much, aside from, you know, the obvious lineage of American players calling it home. So I think that's kind of how I got my start um, following from afar and, and watching the MC performances and whatnot. But before moving out here, I was just kind of a, a fan of the Premier League in general and, and English football in general. Um, and then uh, finally had the opportunity to move to London and buying a Fulham season ticket was the first thing I did. So, yeah, just kind of started there. Sammy here. Hello. We're in the Mad Hatter pub, by the way, which is which is absolutely gorgeous on a Monday really nice. evening. Um, Chris, obviously, I feel like Fulham has a disproportionately large American following. Now, of course, Liverpool, cumulatively, probably, and Man United, probably have more American fans uh, living over in the States. But I think from the size of Fulham and the amount that do support Fulham, it's it's weirdly large, and that's clearly down to players that have played for us over the years. Brian McBride, Clint Dempsey, even people like Carlos Bocanegra down the years. Tim Ream is the one that's kind of capturing attention at the moment as our current stateside wonder kid. He's, he's unbelievable at the moment. And given where he was 12 months ago in this team, was kind of in and out of a centre-back, and Fulham fans were really undecided about him. But now I'd say... He's one of the first two or three names on the team sheet every week. How has that been for you as an American, seeing his development? Yeah, I mean, it's great. I think, would I still be a Fulham fan if Tim Ream wasn't here? Probably. Um, I think growing up, I'd, I always kind of saw Craven Cottage as this idyllic English football stadium and, and the ground that I, you know, most kind of aligned with what it, what the picture of English football in my mind had made out to be. But um, it certainly helps. And I think... Um, Tim Ream, I don't think he gets the uh, the recognition that he deserves back back home in the U.S. Um, but he's been fantastic. It's been a lot of fun, and and I've honestly I've really loved coming to Fulham and, and knowing <clears throat> knowing excuse me that there's a uh, American who's kind of anchoring that back line. I think that's been a really really awesome addition to my experience. Well, Tim Ream is uh, the latest in a, a line of American stars. There's a lot of talk about the young Luca De La Torre, obviously, and, and what he brings to the table. And there's talk about him going out to the MLS on loan this summer. Um, we thought maybe you could enlighten us a little bit about your own MLS experiences and, and what that kind of experience might do for a young Fulham player like De La Torre. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, speaking personally, um, little known fun fact, I did work at the league in New York, so I'm, I'm very biased towards the growth of Major League Soccer, and I love that league. Uh, I'm from Columbus, so I love Columbus, Ohio, and love the crew. 
Um, save the crew. Save the crew, yeah, of course. Um, but at the same time, I think MLS is a really brilliant place for young players to develop. You're not going to get the same uh, experience that you get abroad, and I think that's probably a good thing. Um, I think you, you can develop really, really well, obviously abroad, but you can, you can also develop really, really well in a lot of systems in MLS. Um, and I think MLS really loves to cultivate young talent. Um, and a guy like Luca could do that, especially if it's on loan and it's not a not a um, a permanent transfer, but something that where he can kind of look as his final destination and being abroad. But he's got a couple more reps to get out of um, the league back home, and I think that's a really really awesome opportunity for him. Yeah, hundred percent. What are you thinking of the team this year and what their chances are of getting promotion? It's looking now like the playoffs are going to be the way that Fulham are going to have to do it if we are to get to the Premier League. Slab's obviously built a brilliant side and it's attractive in the style that it plays. Do you, do you think that Fulham can do it come the end of the season? Yeah, of course. I think we're now, what's at the time of this recording, we're 16 unbeaten, something like that. Um, so basically, I've been on the road for the, for the last couple months of 2017 and now we're in 2018. All I'm saying is we haven't lost in my past, like, I don't know, seven games, something like that, and I missed a bunch of the games in the first... The, first part of the season so I'm not saying I'm a lucky charm because I did see a bunch of losses in the beginning but uh, we're doing really really well um, we've knocked off a lot of the top teams uh, in our league and of course I think we can continue to win obviously it gets harder and harder as you continue to make an unbeaten run where people kind of uh, want to put in that extra effort against you to, to knock you off that perch um, but I've been really really impressed with the way the boys are playing we're getting contributions from left right and center um, and it, it's been a really, really fun last couple of weeks. So, yeah, of course, I think we can do it. I think we can continue to extend this run, and I think it can extend in the playoffs as well. So, obviously, it does look currently like playoffs are going to be the option. You know, you're familiar with the kind of playoff scenario. And, you know, I suppose looking at it from, from a Fulham perspective, last year didn't go to plan in the playoffs. Obviously, that experience is going to kind of be crucial, we think, going forward. Well, you know, what's your take on how, you know, those kind of situations work and, and how knockout football, you know, can play into mindsets and stuff at the end of the season? Yeah, I mean, like, as a, just genuinely as an, as an American and as someone who, you know, MLS, the playoffs are yeah, yeah. kind of what it's all about. Um, what you see in playoffs is just kind of anomalies. It's not always the best team over the course of 20 games or whatever it may be. Um, you see teams that are ready to kind of make a moment special and be there when it matters. So um, I'm not worried about, you know, the way we started, which I would classify as pretty slow. Um, we had a lot of hiccups, I think, early in the season. But I think when you get to the playoffs, especially with the, the, the crew that we've got now, um, I definitely think we can make that run. I definitely think we can solidify, continue to solidify the defense and score goals up, up front. Um, I'm not really that worried about it, to be honest. A disproportionate amount of our listeners, as I said, with regards to our fans, I think hail from the US. I think you actually look at some of our stats, it's about a quarter of all listeners to Fulhamish come from America, which is quite surprising, really. And quite often we get messages saying, hey, Sammy, hey, Jack, hey, Fulhamish. We're coming over to England for a, for a Fulham game and we want the authentic fan experience. We want to make this day perfect. We want to go to the right pubs, the right places, sit in the right stand. And we offer, we offer our wisdom, but I feel like sometimes we can't quite give the answer that's perfect. So if there is someone listening who maybe is coming over to Fulham in the next three to six months, 
as someone that's now lived here for over here for quite a while and has had a season ticket, what would you recommend to an American visiting Fulham? How would you start your day? Where would you sit? Where would you go? Where would you end your day? That's a great one. That um, a great that's a that's a very good question. <laughs> Honestly, I'm gonna we're, okay. Let's assume that this person's never been to a Fulham match. Yeah. yeah. Probably never been to London, right? Um, to be completely honest with you, I would say wake up wherever you're staying, get a coffee somewhere, and then get to Craven Cottage as early as you can. Like, I think it's such a special ground. I think the earlier you can get there, so you have time to walk around, take in warm-ups, all that kind of stuff, get there for the teams to arrive, whatnot. The, the ground is so quintessentially English football in my mind as an American growing up back home where, where like we have these NFL stadiums that are built out of glass and steel and whatnot like Craven Cottage is so not that that it's worth getting there early to explore um, it's just kind of the antithesis of everything we're seeing in modern football and I think that should be cherished and it should be upheld um, we'll see if there's a redevelopment that changes that um, hopefully we're still able to keep that, that heart and soul but um, in terms of you know, a, a tourist attraction. I think you you really owe it to yourself to get to Craven Cottage early, be able to walk around the ground, uh, kind of explore. My seat is in the Riverside End, which I think is a lot of fun. There's McBride's Pub there. Um, nice, nice little American connection, but um, I'm sure you can't go wrong wherever you're sitting. Um, so obviously it's been your inaugural season as a, a season ticket holder. Um, what games have really stood out to you? What moments, I suppose, have really stood out to you? You know, every year we have special moments and... and I suppose for a lot of us last year, the big moment was Tom Kearney scoring against Leeds in the 93rd minute that kind of sparked that big recovery march into the into the playoffs. At what moments do you think will stand out, you know, when we look back at this season, you know, promotion or not, when we look back at this season, what are the, what are the games that I think will stand out to you, do you reckon? I think uh, I get super excited every time Ryan Sess scores. Um, it's still such a really exciting players such an exciting storyline and who knows where that's going to lead um so those will stand out a lot of memories um Mitrovic his form since he's joined has been unbelievable and I think he's scored a lot of big goals for us at home as well um in terms of games um for better or for worse I'll probably never forget the QPR game we just had um which felt like we were playing brilliantly but always had this sneaky suspicion that we were giving them opportunities to hang around um, and hang around they did so um, that one ended in a draw thankfully we didn't drop all the points but uh, it still it felt like one that we could have cruised to a 7-0 win um, and let them back in late but uh, seeing Villa at home I think or here at, at Craven Cottage um, was cool just obviously you get to see a player like John Terry who's been you know around won everything um, that was cool for me as well yeah, cool well, I think we've got to mention just before we finish the interview, Jack mentioned at the beginning that your Instagram stories are next level. I think it's the thing that, well, the reason that we kind of found out about you and you, I think you went to Ipswich Town, the one that we saw. and It was just amazing and you really covered in detail what it is like to go to a Fulham game, the walk to the ground, being there and it was brilliant. So I feel like just before we finish this, we need to ask you, What's your Instagram handle? What can Fulham fans follow you at? Because you're definitely, if you've got Instagram, a handle worth following. Um, I'm honoured for the uh, for the shout out. Um, Instagram is definitely my favourite social media platform. Twitter's up there as well, but Instagram. Uh, if you guys are interested, my my account is at mxcchi on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, it's like my last name, M-A-C-C-H-I, but somebody had already taken the A, 
version, <laughs> so I just had to slide it in an X. And I'm sticking with it now. I'm sure I could probably try to get it from them. It's brand uh, now. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a hard-earned brand at this point. No, I'm just kidding. Um, thank you guys, though. That was, it was brilliant. Well, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll be looking to get Chris on an Instagram takeover before the end of the season, so you'll be able to see his stellar work firsthand. But for, for now, thank you very much, Chris. Thank you, guys. That'd be brilliant. So that is the end of today's Fulhamish Extra, the Easter preview. Bit of a different one today, Dom. Uh, it's been an international break. Good to get back into podcasting ways. So travel's not easy going up to Norwich on Friday so if you're catching the train you need to go via either Cambridge or Ely don't you because there's no direct yeah, trains they're about, they're about the same price I think you can book them on the day if you want but what, don't book a train to Norwich book two open returns so book a London to Ely open return then an Ely to, or whatever we've going Cambridge going Cambridge but, but two open returns it, so it, split the tickets yeah basically. basically split it it'll save you a bit of money and I think I don't know what it is with, with full price but I think with an adult rail card uh, London to Ely and then Ely to Norwich is about £25 at the moment and pubs in Norwich? there's quite a few you know it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, stu- it's a stu- student-ish town there's quite a lot of pubs obviously the complete anger is no longer an away pub I know quite a lot of Fulham fans are going to the Prince of Wales which is about a five minute walk um, one I went to last year which I really enjoyed is if you turn right at the station and sort of walk just down the canal it's a pub called Lollard's Pit um, they sell VK and have a pool table so what more do you want? <laughs> Dom's dream right well um, if you're heading up to Norwich uh, have an amazing time I'm driving up uh, oh, that should be fun so uh, I'll have my uh, my one beverage and no more because I would never want to be over the limits uh, so hopefully see loads of you up there and if you're not heading to Norwich but heading to Leeds enjoy your Easter weekend and we'll see you back at the cottage on Tuesday uh, Fulhamish will be happening I think over the weekend uh, Jack's going to do a podcast reviewing the Norwich City game and looking forward to the Leeds game and then we'll have a big Fulhamish all of us together uh, probably on the Wednesday or Thursday looking back at the Leeds game and then looking forward to the Sheffield Wednesday game once that's happened and all the Easter madness is out of the way uh, the podcast will be regular again on regular on regular days and your regular schedule Monday and Thursday as you like it and I know uh, it's a bit difficult for you to know exactly when podcasts are dropping at the moment but Have a great Easter weekend and Jack will speak to you uh, over the weekend. See you later. ACAST powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. Hey, it's Maria Hinojosa here. And Julio Ricardo Varela. We are the co-hosts of the Roundtable podcast, In the Thick, where we talk about politics, race, and culture from a people of color perspective. That's right. Every Tuesday and Friday, we bring you the latest political news, covering the stories and issues that matter to communities of color with amazing POC journalists, activists, and academics from all over the country. So you're not going to want to miss our coverage because we have a lot of fun. We do. Which means that on election night, November 3rd, we are going to be hosting a live virtual show to give you the much-needed POC perspective on this crucial night in our country. Follow us on social media at In The Thick Show to make sure you don't miss the updates and this live analysis. Subscribe to In The Thick wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST, A-cast. 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 recommends.